0: Listening to the Midtown Church Podcast, a ministry that exists to make Jesus known. We've been in a series uh, for the last five months Um, in conjunction with the launch of Midtown. We began a series on the book of Ephesians and we finish it off today. It's it's crazy how fast five months has gone by. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been in this short mini-series on spiritual warfare, Uh, One of the things that we wanted to make clear, one of the things that Paul makes clear is that we're in a real war against a real enemy and we have a call to make a real stand and we have been given everything necessary to make a stand, to stand firm to the end. Um, We stand firm, first of all, in the power and strength that is ours in Christ, but also by way of the armor that is ours in Christ. And last week we looked at that armor, the six pieces, the belt, the breastplate, the boots, the the shield, uh, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is is the word of God. Uh, What we wanted to make really clear, sort of in the context of these six chapters of Ephesians is that our enemy doesn't want us to enjoy chapters one to three, because chapters 1 to 3, if you remember, is all about what's happened to us by way of the work of Jesus. And then chapters 4 to 6, what, what now? I mean, what are the implications of that change in us? And what our enemy doesn't want us to do is enjoy chapters 1 to 3 and live out chapters 4 to 6. So we have a real battle on our hands, a, a daily battle, and that's been the last two weeks. But Leading to today and the end of this series, there is something else that must weave its way throughout all of this battle that we're in, including the putting on of our armor. And that takes us to verses 18 to 24. We'll be looking at that, that section of text today, but I just want to begin by reading verses 18 to 20, then we'll stop, make some comments, and then go from there. So, Paul writes, again, starting at verse 18, praying at times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Let me stop there. Forgot a very important word, right? Very obviously trying to make a point. The word is all. All, the word all is altogether important in in today's text. Because Paul doesn't tell us to pray at times and pray with some prayer and application and so on. He uses that word all, and we're going to build the message around that word all because, like I said, it's all important. Verse 19, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, which is, by the way, an oxymoron. I'll come back to that ambassador in chains, just keep that in mind, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So what needs to make its way, weave its way throughout our battle? Well, obviously, it's the the practice of prayer. This is how the book ends. I I like how one uh, author put it in summing up the book of Ephesians. He says, a book that, and I'll paraphrase him, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but a book that begins in the heavenlies, if you remember all the way back to chapter 1, verse 3, a book that begins in the heavenlies ends with us on our knees. This text, if you were around the last couple of weeks, builds upon last week and tells us that when it comes to the war we're in, that in addition to putting on the whole armor of God, we are to pray. But I want to be very clear about this. Prayer isn't another piece of armor. Prayer is not an add-on. This isn't a PS. This isn't a, oh, by the way, also pray. Prayer is something that needs to weave its way throughout all of our, our battle. Prayer is the air we breathe in the midst of the war we're in. To, to not pray is to hold our breath spiritually. You ever tried to fight someone or wrestle someone by, while holding your breath? It's the same idea. Many of us attempt to war against our enemy while holding our breath at the same time. But that's not Paul's point. That's not what Paul wants. He wants us to pray throughout all of it. When we put on the belt, we pray. When we put on the breastplate, we pray. When we put on the boots of peace, we pray, and so on. We, um, by the way, begin a summer series on prayer next week that we're calling Honest to God. Today's text just so happens, it just so happens it's a prologue to that series. I didn't plan it that way. just worked itself out that way. And what we see here in this prologue to next week is Paul telling us four things about prayer in verse 18. All again centered around the word all. Here's the first if you like taking notes. We are, number one, to pray at all times. If you look down at verse 18, we are to pray at all times in the Spirit. Not at times, we are to pray at all times. And this isn't hyperbole uh, because this isn't a standalone instruction here in Ephesians six. Paul tells us in First Thessalonians chapter five verse seventeen that we are to pray without ceasing. In Acts chapter six verse four, we read there that the apostles didn't give themselves to the Grecian widow ministry so they could devote themselves to prayer and the word. The one of the marks of the early church, you can read about this in Acts 2, is that the early church was devoted to the prayers. There's um, a man in Acts chapter 10 named Cornelius. Luke writes about him as a, a devout man of God who prayed continually to God. In Romans twelve twelve, we are called to be constant in prayer To Timothy, Paul writes, I remember you, Timothy, constantly in my prayers both night and day. Jesus said of his father's house that his house was to be a house of prayer for all nations. We have to pray, and we have to pray always. Now, why we are to pray always is because of the battle we're in. The battles that we wage are constant. That's why Paul, if you just put your pretty eyes back in verse 16, that's why Paul says in verse 16 that in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. The reason why I'm hammering this uh, this morning is because until, until we realize that we are in an ongoing battle, we won't sense the need to pray at all times. So that's why... But what's the question we all want to ask? The question is how, right? How do, how do we do this? How do you pray at all times? I mean, is that even possible? How do you, how do you pray when you're asleep, Norm? How, how, do you pray, how do you pray when you're meeting a client, for example? How do you pray when you're watching something on Netflix? I mean, how do you, how do you pray always? Here, here's how I, I would answer that question. The call to pray always is to live life with a total God consciousness. It's to live life recognizing that there is a constant presence of God in our lives. He is with us always, even to the end of the age. And it calls us to join God in what God is doing already in and through you. That he is moving, he is living, he is acting, he is working in and through you. Praying at all times isn't inviting God in as much as it is asking that God reveal again what he's already doing in and through you. God, what are you up to? As, as I go here and do this and participate in that, what are you, what are you doing? Just remember Paul's prayer back in chapter 3. He prayed there that the Ephesian church may be filled with all the fullness of God. Midtown, God is in you. He's in you individually. He's in us corporately. God is in you, and where you go, he goes, or more correctly, you are with him wherever he takes you. As we've learned in this series, we don't give our lives to Christ as much as Christ gives his life to us. So live in light of that reality every moment of every day where God is close to being on your lips constantly. This is why Paul calls us to not only pray at all times but pray at all times in the spirit. What is this? Well, it's not, as some suggest, a reference to tongues. But I would say it's a a call to To be sensitive to the Spirit's guidance in your life, empowerment in your life, and and prompting as you go through your day. As we read back in chapter 5, we are to be filled with the Spirit and and discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So it's going through our days, being sensitive to the Spirit's guidance and promptings and workings in our life and asking God, what do you want for me in this moment? It, It means we pray and live according to His will and And we trust his intercession on our behalf as well. Walk by the Spirit, as Paul writes in Galatians 5.16. I mean, one of my ongoing prayers, pray it most, most days, especially days where I'm going into meetings, is that God would use me in that meeting in whatever way he wants me to be used, so whatever word he wants me to bring, but also that I would be sensitive to whatever I need to hear from someone else. I pray that before I go into meetings. I pray that while I'm in the meeting. God, what do you want me to say? Is there anything? What do you want me to do? What am I supposed to hear? What am I not supposed to hear? One of the great benefits of fasting, especially over a longer period of time, is the heightened sense of praying at all times. With every stomach growl, There is this reminder, this reminder to pray, not only for strength, but again, God, what are you doing? What do you you want for me? What are you revealing in this fast, for example? But that sense isn't to be reserved only for times of fasting, it's to be how we are to live, live our lives. It means if I am tempted, that that temptation becomes a prayer. Jesus, you are sympathetic with my weaknesses. You've been tempted in every way. Help me in this. Help me not to look at that. Help me not to go there. Help help me not to respond in how I want to respond and tear that person down. Help me. I'm tempted to do it. Help me. And if we see something good, my thought is, God, you're the source of all that is... Good and right and perfect. So thank you. If I if I see evil, if you see evil, that we be prompted to, to pray, God make it right. If we see somebody meet up with somebody who doesn't know Jesus, that we're quick to pray. God, draw them to yourself. If I see trouble, if you see trouble, we worship a deliverer. God, deliver us, deliver them, deliver me. It means when you hike the chief. You ever hike the chief? means when you hike the chief and you get up top you're on top of the rock and you're looking over how sound that you pray thank thank you god for your creation i remember going to um, the grand canyon with my family a, a number of years ago and i don't know if you've ever been there but it's grand it's just grand it's a good name for the canyon and you just stand there and you take it all in and you go this is big it's enormous it's enormous, and I remember that time just standing there, making sure my kids didn't fall into it, and walking away, going back to the car, and I just said, we need to stop and just pray. Like, God, this is grand, but this is nothing compared to you. This is wonderful, but I just worship you. We need to live like that. We need to be quick to pray. Because here the, here's the beauty of this. God wants your fellowship. And so often we see prayer as a burden, as a chore. We feel guilty about it. But God wants to be with us. And he invites us to be with him. And the greatest way to fellowship with him is is prayer. So pray at all times. Take a breath today. Stop holding your breath. Be ready to breathe. So pray at all times, but second, the second all, we are to pray in all ways. If you look back at verse 18, we are to pray with all prayer and supplication. Two words, prayer, supplication, prayer, general word. It refers just to the idea of prayer, the general practice of prayer. Supplication refers refers to specific requests. So when Paul uses them together, what he is saying is we are to pray in all kinds of ways praise. We should have prayers of praise, lament. The Psalms are full of lamentations. There's a book in the Bible called Lamentations, where we cry out, why God? How long, God? Why are you quiet, God? Have you forgotten us, God? Supplication, petition, please, As we will see next week, the Lord's Prayer includes worship, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Petition, give us today our daily bread. Confession, forgive my sins as I forgive others. We're to pray in all kinds of ways as well. We are to pray in all sorts of ways. We are to pray silently. We are to pray loudly. We are to pray by ourselves. We are to pray with others. It also means that prayer should include formal and deliberate times of prayer as well as spontaneous. If you struggle with the practice of prayer, and the majority of people that are interviewed and polled in the evangelical church in North America today, the high, high majority are very dissatisfied with their prayer lives. If you struggle with the practice of prayer, set a time, set a date in your day and your week to pray. Dates are okay doesn't always have to be spontaneous. I've been married almost 27 years. I still make dates with my wife. Do you want to go out with me Friday? Hopefully it's a yes, right? Hopefully it's a yes. Dates are not bad. Formal times aren't bad. Again, just slot it away so you can say to people, sorry, I'm busy now. I have an appointment. Formal times are, are good. It's interesting to read that In Acts chapter 3, so this is post-ascension of Jesus. The church has already launched. Peter and John, we read, at the hour of prayer, went to the temple to pray. That at the hour of prayer was 3 p.m. in the afternoon, the ninth hour of the day. The day started at 6 a.m., sunrise. That was something they learned when they were followers of Judaism. But now they took that practice as... Now followers of Jesus, formal times are good, but if you feel stale in your prayer life, change things up. Most of my prayer, prayer life is, 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 it takes place while I walk. I I prayer walk almost every day. We have prayer walks here on, on Saturday. When I prep a sermon, I'm constantly praying as I prep. Lord, show me, what do you want me to see in this? What does this say to me? How do I say it to others? Teach me so that I can teach others and take my words and and light them up. I pray while I preach. Lord, help me. It's hot. Lord, help me. The guy's nodding off over there. Lord, Lord, help me. That person's texting over there. Lord, help me. Do something. I pray before we gather. I pray during the week that the presence of God would be palpable when we gather. Because any hotel can be welcoming but have no sense of the divine in it, I don't want to just be a welcoming church. I want it to be a place where people meet God at it. Who cares about being welcoming if people aren't meeting Jesus? So I pray that God's presence would be palpable when people gather. Yes, welcome here, welcome here, welcome here, but we're gathering here for a reason. Prayer also, and I know many of us know this, but some of you may not, doesn't only have to happen with our eyes closed and our hands folded. We can pray in the car. I pray with my kids when I'm dropping off at school or when I'm dropping them off at work. Pray lying pros- prostate, Prostrate. I said that in the first. Two very different things. Prostrate on the ground. <laughs> We can pray kneeling at the bed. We can pray lying in the bed. You get my point. Change it up. Add. If it's not, if it's, if it's stale, change. Do something else. Just breathe. So give allowance for spontaneous bursts of prayer throughout the day. So pray at all times and pray in all ways. Third, we are to pray without giving up. Take a look at verse 18 again. Paul adds, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. I mean, continue in it. Don't be flash powder. Keep on keeping on. Just do this. Pray. I've seen, I've been in ministry a long time. I see people get fired up, come out to prayer once, twice, three, and then they're gone. And I wonder about that. If they're praying on their own, great. If they've gathered somewhere else, great. And I hope that's the case. We we need to keep alert with with all perseverance. Just don't give up. The enemy is winning when we give up. And one of the ways we keep on in prayer is found in that expression, keep alert. Uh, Other translations translated as keep watch. Jesus in the garden. Remember Jesus in the garden going to the cross. He's taken his disciples with him, the 11 remaining. He's taken three of his best buddies with him, and he wants to pray. And this is what he says, and you can read this on the screen. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I bet if I took a poll while you all left today pulled you aside at the door, and I said, do you think prayer is important? Yes. Are you happy with your prayer life? The majority of you would say no. Do you want to pray more? Do you want to be richer in the practice of prayer? Yes. Your spirit is willing. That's not the chore today for me. I don't have to convince most of you that prayer is important. It's the flesh that's weak. As the flesh wars against the spirit, what are we to be watching for well, in context, in context to the book of Ephesians, but chapter 6 specifically, we need to be aware, keep watching for the needs around us while being sensitive to what God is doing and what our enemy is, is scheming about. That's what we need to keep watch for. We, we are to be alert to what's going on and in that make supplication for all the saints. So what does this mean? It means, at the very least, when we can, we should pray specifically for the needs of others. That we don't just throw out prayers like, God bless Midtown, but God bless so-and-so because of this. God bless, help this person in, in this situation. It means we're aware. It means when we go into the lobby today, and you're leaving, and you may talk to someone, overhear somebody and you hear about something hard is going on in their life, or you're getting the sense that they're just hanging on by their fingertips, that their faith is weak, that you pray for them, that you pray for all the saints, all the saints, again, in context, in this local ministry. Because Paul will say in the next verse, and also for me, Paul was a saint. Paul had in mind that the Ephesian church would pray for the Ephesian church, the saints in it he could as easily have written this to us. And he is, in a sense. We are to pray for this ministry. But what I also want you to note about Paul's direction of praying for the saints, that it's not just to be the physical needs around, around the saints, but the spiritual too. This is what Paul most prays for. Just hang a left in your Bible, go back to Ephesians 1. Paul prays there just looking at verse 16, but notice what he prays. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Yes, Paul is concerned about the physical, but as you study the prayers of Paul, not only the prayers that he offers, but what he asks for prayer about, most often it's the spiritual. Again, not unimportant to pray about the physical, but it's the spiritual that's everlasting, because this life is but a myth. So we need to pray for the spiritual, the spiritual aspects of what's going on. I mean, just to show you, I'll give you a highlighted example of this. Take a look at verses 19 and 20 one more time. This is, this is Paul's prayer for himself. And he writes, and, and pray also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Did you hear the request? Did you hear what wasn't in the request? It stands out. Where is Paul? He's in prison. And yet he doesn't ask for rescue or freedom from it. Instead, he calls himself an ambassador in chains. Like I said, this is an oxymoron because you can't put ambassadors in chains. They have diplomatic immunity. I mean, an ambassador from another country in Vancouver can essentially do whatever he or she wants to do without ever being threatened of of arrest. Ambassadors of Canada and other places around the world can do the same thing, but Paul calls himself an ambassador in chains. I've been sent, this is what Paul is saying, I've been sent by my king. I represent my king in this place. And these chains are actually opening up opportunities for me to tell others about Jesus, perhaps even Caesar himself. So pray that I would speak boldly. Pray pray that when I open my mouth, God would light my words up. Pray that I wouldn't be tempted by my enemy, our enemy, to keep my mouth quiet. I want that to be my prayer, because I'm here for a reason. Just look at Philippians chapter 1 on the screen behind me. Just notice how Paul sums up his situation in prison. I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all of the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ, and most of the brothers, having become, conf- having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. When Paul prays for others, he prays most often for the spiritual needs he sees. And when he asks for prayer, he does the same. And I think that needs to be a model for us as well. See, we're in a war, and it's about the war we that, that we must pray. It, it's not easy to fight the battle, so Paul says, I pray for you. Yes, I pray for physical needs, but more than that, I pray that God will give you victory. I, I pray that you'll win your battle against the enemy. See, what was most important to Paul wasn't that he was in prison, but that God would use him while he was in prison. I've asked the question already in this series, but what's your prison? And what are you praying about? And we must have all perseverance in this because it's tempting to give up. So many prominent Christians over the last number of years have given up. Like the second soil. They hear the word, they receive it with joy, but it has no root and endures only for a little while. One of the texts that we're going to look at in our series on prayer is a parable on prayer that begins, now Jesus told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. It's tempting to though, isn't it? It's really tempting to don't be surprised. It's a fiery dart. The last directive in verse 18 about prayer is we are to pray for all the saints. I've mentioned this already, but that's how Paul ends it. And I know I've made that by point already in that we need to pray for all the saints that make up this ministry, but I'd, I'd like to add, in addition to that comment, that so often our prayer lives are all about us most of the time, or, or perhaps about our families. But the call here, and please don't miss it, is we need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying. Yes, we need to be praying for the neighborhood, and we need to be praying for the lost, And we need to be praying for our mayors and politicians. Yes, 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 but we need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying for this ministry. This ministry doesn't stand a chance if we're not praying. doesn't matter how much money, what programs, who cares about programs, giftings, whether we get AC in the building or not, doesn't matter. What matters is us praying because the Lord needs to build this house. And we, his people, need to be praying. And if we pray and are filled with the fullness of God, God can do immeasurably more than we ask or think. But if we don't, don't expect anything. We need to be people who are breathing all the time, that we keep watch not only for ourselves and on our families, but for one another. So pray for Midtown. This is part of the one another's of body life. If you're a member of Midtown, you've written your name down on a piece of paper and you've covenanted to pray for the people of Midtown. So pray for the people of Midtown as you pray for other things as well. We want to help you in this, by the way, this summer with our summer series that I've already talked about, our Saturday morning prayer walks. Join us. Also, the first Wednesday of July, so not this Wednesday, next Wednesday, we're going to start something simply called the Midweek, not a very creative name. Um, but on Wednesday nights, 7 to 8, upstairs where there's air conditioning, you can come. We're going to spend an hour together. I'm going to do a short devotion, and we're going to pray together. Join us. Lock it away. You have a phone. Put it in every week, Wednesday, 7 to 8. Hang out with somebody after. Go out for a pint or a coffee with someone afterwards. Just come and pray. Let's pray together. Start up organic times on your own and pray with somebody this summer. We have people up front afterwards on Sunday that would love to pray with you. My mentor in ministry, a man named Carlin Weinhauer, told me the way up is down, meaning down on our knees. Like a trampoline, if you wanna go higher, you gotta go deeper. Like a tree that grows tall, the roots have to go deep. Like a building, a skyscraper has to have a deep foundation. That's the, same, that's the same with us. Like I said, the fruit of this ministry rests on our commitment to prayer. Let me begin wrapping up by reading verses 21 and 22. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, great name, by the way, if you're pregnant, think about it. The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Who's Tychicus? He's the mailman. That's what he is. Paul's in prison. He writes the letter, hands it to Tychicus, and he takes it to Ephesus. He's the mailman, but he's more than that. Paul describes him as a beloved brother and faithful minister. And Tychicus has been known by that description for 2,000 years. I mean, the Holy Spirit prompts Paul to write. Tychicus is a beloved brother and faithful minister. They're hard to find, aren't they? They're hard to find. But he was one. And because of his faithfulness, we sit here 2,000 or so years later reading the letter Paul wrote, and he delivered. And we have our hearts encouraged too. It's sweet. And so there you go. That's the book of Ephesians. Five months of Ephesians. It seems no more appropriate way to close this book in the context of this discussion about prayer than by reading the benediction of Ephesians. Take a look at it, verses 23 and 24. I want it to be a prayer for us. So would you stand as I pray, verses 23 and 24 of this wonderful letter, as we go into a time of response. Peace be to the brothers and sisters of Midtown, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Amen? Amen. information about Midtown, please go to mtownchurch.ca.